recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. This is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Great Caesar's Ghost, I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Jim. And I'm Kurt Stan. Welcome to issue number 19 of the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. We're at 19 already? Yes, yes. <laughs> the big 20th anniversary issue is coming up. We've been doing it for almost 20 years. Um, yeah, uh, on this here podcast and the club that we uh, meet here at the store every single Saturday, we have some club picks that we always talk about in the first half of the show in full spoilers. And in the back half of the show... We go around the table and talk non-spoilers for our favorite picks for the last few weeks or so. And uh, for anybody that is interested, the membership is always free to join. Everybody welcome. Jump on in. There's a, always a spot here at the table to talk comic books. So we're going to do just that as we continue on with our uh, club picks with Avengers number 684, which is No Surrender, Part 10. Back from the dead. He cannot be reasoned with. He will not be stopped. Bruce Banner isn't home right now. There is only the Immortal Hulk. <laughs> this is probably like the single most awaited issue of the series. Because this cover has been put out there and promoted for, 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 for as long as... As long uh, as Voyager's been on the team. As long as No Surrender, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. As long as, I seem, well, as long as I seem to remember Voyager being Yeah, we might get a little more information on that as we dive into this week's issue, which we get the first couple pages basically opening in on like a like an origin story once again to kind of revisit it every time there's a different creative team and uh, new readers and stuff. It's always good to kind of see a, a little reimagining. I don't think they really change anything, but it's just a, a different approach to it as we get kind of like a a highlight reel dealing with the, the gamma rays and the explosion and uh, what him saving Rick Jones is mm-hmm. the original yep. uh, the original storyline. So while they don't really dive into to that mention at all, you see him sitting at the table at his side, yeah. but uh, uh, they just get right into the details. And, uh, and we get a montage of all the times we thought the Hulk was dead, <laughs> but <laughs> really wasn't. <laughs> basically establishing that this new... Immortal uh, Hulk that we're getting is, in fact, what he's always been, you know, from the very beginning. Yeah, so we got that highlight reel, which in the very last page of this issue, you get to see where they pulled those panels from. Mm -hmm. So they're always cool, like putting the Avengers facts at the end of each issue during this No Surrender run. And so if you're questioning and, you know, all of those different moments they reference, you can find out exactly where to read those stories. And then we uh, cut to something that's a little more modern uh, during Civil War II. Um, I think it was issue four or five when we had the the moment where uh, Bruce Banner was, uh, I think he went like a year or so without being the Hulk, and we had Amadeus Cho taking over as the Hulk. Um, but as he was, uh, it, it was one of the visions that uh, Ulysses, that inhuman during Civil War II, had foreseen, you know, the Hulk... Uh, Killing a bunch of people and uh, Captain America and Captain Marvel and all the other heroes wanted to be a little preemptive on that to dive right into what I think like Utah or something he was hiding out in. He had yeah. his own little 
as his own little lab. Yeah, and uh, that's where Clint Barton out of nowhere, as they're trying to calm down Bruce Banner and kind of silently arrest him for a crime that he has not yet committed, which was the whole you know storyline plot for Civil War Two, and that's when Clint. Uh, Shot a couple arrows, and uh, we see the dialogue leading up to that about how Bruce had told him that uh, gave him basically the ammo to do that. And knowing Clint, you know, kind of going between good and bad, and you know the the risks he takes, and knows you know to he would be the one to follow through with it, which led to the whole trial and all that stuff. But yeah, we actually got a little uh, little. Uh, inside uh scene as we see their discussion over that matter which showing uh once again bruce banner being uh pegged with a couple arrows there in front of all the heroes for that big end of the issue shocker um and then we get into some doc voodoo stuff i can you elaborate i know you're a big like dr strange and dr magical well i know that dr voodoo has always or at, at least at the beginning of dr voodoo's comic career he always had his brother kind of following him along and so we get this scene where somehow he seems to be inside the the psyche of bruce banner now and um and he he's been pierced by arrows in his psyche as well and he voodoo starts to pull them out and a demon shows up um who's who claims the hulk as his own um and he gives voodoo a choice you can have your brother, I can take your brother, or I can take Bruce Banner, and then the Hulk will be the Hulk with no Bruce Banner. And um, Voodoo makes the decision, I choose my brother. Um, which then faithfully uh, seals the fact that uh, now the Hulk and Bruce Banner seem to be separated. And, uh, yeah, that... Uh... Leads right into uh, some more stuff here as uh, we've been getting this dialogue throughout the issue and this, uh, you know, as we've seen in the last couple issues of him, like, coming out of the cave and, like, Mm -hmm. and um, so that's where we're at right now, just kind of seeing that moment, which at the end of last issue, seeing the Immortal Hulk and uh, we had heard that that was the the Challenger's uh, secret weapon. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and... I, when I was reading this, I was like, you know, several pages into it, not realizing that was just the opening scene, you know, mm-hmm. as we get into the credits here, uh, about a third of the way into the book. So, yeah, the Immortal Hulk has uh, risen, and uh, we cut back to that uh, cosmic game room between the ga- uh, Grandmaster's cosmic game room between uh, Challenger and what game? I always, Grandmaster. I, Grandmaster. Grandmaster. Yeah, I always, I always say Game Master. Um, so yeah, we see, uh, them talking about their, their secret weapons, and, uh, we saw some of it, uh, with last issue with, uh, Voyager kind of, you know, yep. turning on the team, which, uh, they, they dive into a, a little further here. Uh, we cut back to the hospital where, uh, Jarvis, uh, had awakened to, and he mm-hmm. kept saying it's all a lie. Yep. And, uh, Beast and, uh... And Nadia Pym, uh, the Unstoppable Wasp. Unstoppable? I think that's yeah, her. I think uh, that's the, or is it yeah. the Unstoppable Squirrel? She's the Unbeatable oh, Squirrel unbeatable. Girl. So, oh, yeah, yeah, she must be the Unstoppable Wasp. Um, <laughs> yeah. All these adjectives to. Um, 
Yeah, so they're talking about uh, the whole idea of being uh, fooled and talking about Voyager's effect on the team and how they had all these memories, but then uh, how it was all a lie. All a lie. Um, and now they're looking for her with yes. extreme prejudice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Uh, we cut back to the Avengers uh, headquarters as they're in that... Uh, that auxiliary bunker type of thing, and I thought it was kind of funny here. Uh, speaking of Squirrel Girl, she's uh, <laughs> they're they're kind of cleaning house and kind of putting all the people where all the frozen people in place, and uh, so we see, uh, yeah, we see Squirrel Girl, we see uh, Vision, Vision. <laughs> but yeah, they're all uh, inside there as we start to get some uh, some interruption as we we get Voyager, who we saw last issue. Uh, teleport out of the hospital after she stole the uh, pyramid and uh, now she's uh, here in the headquarters they have yet to know that you know she she's a bad guy and uh but she locks herself into this vault uh i think that's the the pyramid yes yes um and then it kind of dips into her dialogue in which she talks about you know us us or her lying to us this whole time so for some reason you were unaffected in this. I was. I was part. Totally of it. taken in. <laughs> um, so you were able to escape that. You and Jarvis uh, were, were clued in on that. But she talks about her history and uh, doing the research on uh, this Professor Arthur Vector, who we had seen a slight backstory of, um, which she did her homework to kind of make it believable. If anybody had questioned yeah. that, and uh, had talked about. You know, hiding all these memories, uh, holding back who her true father was. And then the big reveal. <laughs> Ta-da! Yes. The Grandmaster. Yes. Uh, the Grandmaster. Uh, but she's not there to help him. <laughs> that's right, because her colors, and we've been seeing that too, is that her skin color during these uh, panels here, uh, when she, Ooh. yeah, yeah, she uh, turned into blue, and then, yeah, that reveals into that, and, uh, and then she... Dives a little deeper and talking about the power to move through memories themselves, and that's what embedded her into the original Avengers team, and and how everybody was fooled. Um, but she does talk about uh, fooling somebody else as well. Daddy dears, <laughs> who's playing who? <laughs> Sounds like their relationship was kind of tempestuous in traveling around, saying he never cheats, but she said, "Ah, oh, that's not true." <laughs> And uh, as uh, they look at their players, the challenger uh, once again mentions his as he brought back uh, the Hulk, the immortal Hulk, as as now he's hit uh, land and he's doing classic Hulk Hulk jumps to uh, basically his mission is to get to Voyager uh, or sent to get Get to the the pyramid. pyramid. So leading to Voyager and basically taking out anything in his path, including... um, uh, the Grandmaster's team. Um, <laughs> yeah, he leaves them kind of <laughs> rumpled. Captain, and Captain Glory defeated. and Menticle are the only yeah. ones standing yet. Yeah, but yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're the only ones standing. Yeah. Menticle by himself. Yeah, so we just see it's basically Hulk just going on a rampage there. And we've had all the other heroes kind of all in their own little uh, lands kind of, you know, being recuperating from their, their battles and... Uh, and as they're in the bunker, they hear some uh, more activity. And I like that line from the uh, Tony, who is the 
one of the U.S. Avengers, I yeah. think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Iron Patriot. Yeah. Um, but now she's just Tony Hope, scientist. But yeah, she was just <laughs> talking about like, oh, what's going on out there? Oh, we got cameras out there. I'll take a look at the footage. Hopefully it's nothing. Turn the page too serious as we see <laughs> a big alert as the Hulk is uh, on their front door, basically. And I do like that line of just being, I thought he was dead. Well, he isn't now, so <laughs> no matter what you think, it doesn't matter because he's, he's right there. Um, and he's banging at uh, the front door, basically getting in, as we once again said Voyager was trapped in the vault there. And the character who, uh, I don't remember the name Nygma. right now. They send Enigma out to check on the Hulk. They tell her, don't phase <laughs> in. <laughs> Stay phased out, which she doesn't pay attention to that. No, no, she uh, goes to take a swipe at the Hulk here and... Uh, she inc instead increases her density to maximum and tries to punch him. Not a good choice. Well, no, we see some uh, pretty awesome art here. It's just the, like... Because she rips her apart. Yeah, if, if any artist loves drawing the Hulk, this is probably the issue to do it. Like, you really get to do everything with the Hulk. <laughs> a Hulk is known for. Um, so, yeah, he kind of tosses her away and the other Avengers are going in and... Trying to save each other and stop him. That's when we have... And uh, balls the next to fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone just left and right. And then uh, lightning uh, gives it a shot. As we see, uh, no effect. Um, he's just kind of sitting there staring at him. Goes, huh? <laughs> Why do they try one at a time? What, you know, yeah. How many times do you have to learn? Yeah, we see that if, like, you know... Uh, you know, the, the foot soldiers are fighting the Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah. There'll be like 70 of them there, but, you know, the one at a time, they'll jump in. And yeah, I used to watch the old Ultraman films, and we used to kid that there was a director going, <laughs> Yep, you, just, you, you. you're next. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a classic uh, fighting right there. Uh, but yeah, then we get a, an, an off-panel uh, word balloon saying, get the hell away from them. And we're all kind of wondering who it is. We had a little precursor leading up to this as uh, we had been seeing the, the weakening of uh, the Red Hulk. Mm -hmm. As he's like, what, the more he hulks out, it's... The, the more undependable the time limit is that he can be the Hulk. And yeah, so he's been, you know, wanting to get back into the fight and everything. That goes into the last page when... Uh, <laughs> He had to run off to armor up. Yep, and he's, so he's hulked up and armored up both. <laughs> as he becomes, uh, as he introduces himself as the Iron Hulk, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what happens to... <laughs> now, a great question for uh, any readers here. We can see this. I personally have never seen uh, Captain America. Like, we've seen versions of this kind of stuff but has this ever been done or is this a new Where like spin this, on it this is, i believe this is well like iron patriot armor yeah i think it might have been the but as far as right. like a hulk wearing uh no, like a, i've never seen a hulk wearing yeah armor. hulk wearing an armor it's, <laughs> wow that's a weird concept oh yeah outside of him wearing you know his armor from you know you know sakar and stuff like that but we see this is the first time kind of wearing a, a superhero suit especially you know a, because we've well, seen... Yeah, I haven't seen actually um, Hulk of any kind, an actual Hulk yeah, yeah. wearing an armor. Any Hulk, any of the you million know. Hulks. Um, I don't know, I might just chill my rig some up at some point. This, this is the spoiler <laughs> section, so you know we could talk Lego spoilers and talk <laughs> that. So, um, but uh, in, in that case, there might be some sort of Hulk 
armor type thing. And the last time we saw this combination, wasn't it Secret Empire when, uh, didn't somebody suit up as a, you know, with an Iron Man Captain America? Is that what he upgraded to? Yeah, he did. He he upgraded to Hydra armor. Man, we've seen this kind of armor on a number of people. Yeah, yeah. Cap has done some sort of armor, I think. Cap had it, um... But when you think about it, the, the really unique thing about this isn't just that Hulk is armored up, but Hulk is armored up in an armor right. that's kind yeah. of a mix of a Cap Iron yeah. Man armor. So yeah. you're kind of getting this Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Hulk. thing Look. in there. If only he had a hammer. <laughs> We'd have it all together here. Yeah. Maybe by part 16 we'll see that. But I mean, I, think, I was thinking Norman Osborn had this kind of sort of armor too, and... Uh, I think Tony Hull used it for a while. So yeah, a lot of people have. <laughs> but this looks like it may be a rig up of Tony Ho's armor, which probably was yeah, and that laying was around somewhere. That's, that's, <laughs> they didn't show it standing in one of the back in one of the yeah. panels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because uh, it's it's back there. You see part of it because I think they had it connected to their system for power. Um, and yeah, it's actually. Though it uh, must have some really great straps to make it big enough to. Yeah. <laughs> Because he, he he's talking to her. Yeah, it's really tight on him. Uh, it, it, he's just like, squeezed you know. into it. So yeah, that's where we end um, part 10 of 16. I'm waiting to find out why Voyager went back to this, the headquarters instead of... Yeah, just maybe... What was it <laughs> to... completely different. Was it to draw the Hulk to the, to the Avengers and take them out, or...? I don't know, because you almost feel like there's a little bit of a desperation, you know... To, to her actions, and the Game Master's, like, makes a comment that it was a, a bad strategy, mm-hmm. but but is it, or does she actually have something? Here we've got a, a, a Game Master and a Challenger working towards being the Game Master, and now we've got a third player in there, and who, who knows, perhaps she could outplay both of them. Well, and she may have just picked a spot that seemed particularly easy to defend because you slam yourself in the security vault. <laughs> All the people there, at least, who, <laughs> some of whom are superheroes, can't get in. So, <laughs> But I suppose we'll find out, uh, hopefully in part uh, 11, which is part of the, the weekly series. So if anyone is listening to this for the first time, and uh, you, know, you can listen back to the previous issues... Uh, Ask for some reorders if you want to read the story and stuff like that. I know some of these have gone into multiple printings and things like that, but uh, it's never too late to jump into the story, especially when it's starting to hook up right now. And uh, yeah. so we gear into this final little run here, the back half of No Surrender. But yeah, another another fun issue. We've been pretty. Yeah, it's entertaining. Yeah. Certainly. Not a dull issue yet. No, nope. I think so. <laughs> And it helps too when it is on a weekly basis. It's not something where you know a month or two will pass when you know you haven't read something part of the series and you've like, a bunch of say, like, uh, oh, Dark Knight's Metal. <laughs> it's weird how that Which was. We're still waiting around for the last. It <laughs> was supposed to be done three months ago. But... <laughs> it's still going. Yeah, watch the the last one come out, and then we'll be notified that it's extended an issue or something. With a dozen more tie-ins. Yeah. The just keeps going up. But in the meanwhile, we'll continue to get the weekly Avengers stories. So, 
I think that will wrap it up for spoiler talk for Avengers number 684. Let's move on to the non-spoilers. Welcome to the non-spoiler section in which we go around the table and we all talk about the books that we've been reading, some new releases, and the one I want to talk about here, you would think I'm talking about three comics, but it's only because I bought three covers of it. (laughs) (laughs) Vampironica number one from the Archie Horror Line. Uh, A couple years ago we had uh, the Afterlife with Archie and that launched the Archie Horror Line. Then they jumped into a current series right now, which is uh, Jughead the Hunger. So we had zombies, werewolves, and what's left? Well, vampires. And where does vampire fit into an Archie name? Well, none other than Veronica Lodge. So this is, in all these comics, I should say, for anyone, even though they're all under the uh, Archie horror banner, um, they're all separate worlds and universes it's not even the horror ones are separated from each other so like yeah veronica is not in, in the, the same, same world as, like, yeah. the they all exist all the characters are always like repurposed in these series but they're all standalone for the most part so you don't see you know a jughead werewolf in the vampironica um maybe there'll be some weird yeah tie-ins there'll later be some crossovers like vampironica meets yeah. You know, <laughs> so the one cover is interestingly very reminiscent of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that was the main cover there. Uh, yeah, you see her in a cheerleading outfit. And uh, and then I got uh, Francesco Francavilla, one of my favorite artists. I had to get his cover uh, with uh, Vampironica in the cemetery. And then I got another cover close up uh, focusing on the, the blood and the red lips and the red eyes. And. Uh, there was one other cover out there, too, that it was so good that I'm like, I should have got that one, too. You should have. I should have. Um, <laughs> never too late. I can put in a reorder. Um, but, yeah, Vampironica, so it's dealing. I mean, it's all right in the title. Uh, Veronica is a vampire, and uh, there is a good build-up to it. It's it, These horror Archie books are just, it's less, you know, Archie comedy. There's a couple of those kind of things, but it really does focus in on the horror. It definitely lives up to the uh, the brand name there. And the artwork is always just extremely dark and gruesome, and it's not what you think when you see, you know, like think like, oh, Archie Comics and this and that. Like, I mean, they're they're drawn like this. These books exist. You you don't have to know anything about the Archie world. world. <laughs> if you like vampires, here's a story about a teenage vampire. Yeah. So it, it's as simple as that, but uh, these Archie horror books are just, you know... Each of the three that I've talked about now, they, they pretty much sold me that whenever they come up with a, a new spin on it, I'm always excited to uh, try it out. So Vampironica, once again, don't have to read the other horror books. Don't even have to read Archie. If you're a vampire fan, then here's a good vampire comic. Just started this week, so perfect time to jump in. Like reading the original Archie make, go, make you go, Ooh, Veronica, don't do it! <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, would, would this make it a little bit easier for Archie to, to decide <laughs> which one to marry? And well, you might have to read the issue to find out, so I don't want to give too much away. Uh, but when pitching other stories, they have another character. Uh, Reggie is a longtime character, Reggie Mantle. So maybe we have uh, Mantle the Mummy, maybe. Like, I'm just, oh. just throwing it out there. So, a couple ideas, so. 
That and the creature from the Betty Lagoon. <laughs> you just sold me. I'll take all four covers of that one. So. But yeah, that'll be the next thing. Like in the Jughead, the Hunger Book, because um, we had found out it's like on issue four right now. We had found out that uh, Jughead and uh, the Jones family comes from a line of werewolves and Betty's family comes from a line of werewolf hunters. <laughs> so their families have this long history uh, going on. So it's uh, it's good stuff. It's fun. It, well, it's fun, but it's dark and creepy. And Sabrina was the other book I didn't mention, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a Netflix show that's being developed right now. It starts filming very soon. And uh, it's honestly one of the creepiest books I've read. And that Not comes the from friendly, kindly Sabrina no, we nope. used to know. All, <laughs> all those characters are in there, but this this book is disturbing. So. And and so that one also is a standalone. Right? Yep, yep. And uh, while yeah, yes, <laughs> I'm trying to think if it. Yeah, yeah, because because you see Sabrina in the afterlife with uh, Archie book and everything too. But once again, not the same Sabrina. Yep, each version it's its own little uh, you know. Uh, different universe so that's vampironica number one okay i'm going to go through oblivious number one this is from insane comics which is a small independent publisher that is not listed in the normal diamond catalog they're um out of loves park illinois chicago neighborhood um and this is actually a, it's it would be rockford it's right out of the, rockford is that what it says in there loves chicago? park illinois is the yeah, because it's rough. I got family it's kind in, there, of in so. between there. Yeah, so. The but, greater, greater Chicago. But yeah, I'd seen some Chicago things, and, and I talked to them at MightyCon in Madison. And uh, yeah, I, I mentioned Chicago, and they're like, Rockford. Is it like a <laughs> Barton and West Bend? Is it kind of like that? Yeah. <laughs> but this, worse. this was the January issue from the number one. And um, art, art and writing by um, Bobby Torres and Roll Rock. And the t- title is Oblivious, and the character, main character, is Oblivion. He starts out as Oblivion, and we open up with the aftermath of a superhero battle, and it appears that Oblivion is lying underneath a pile of rubble, and the newscasters and standby Sander Byers are commenting that he's dead. And as we go through, we discover that he was actually the villain in this battle, and he, he among others, died. And this battle was in New York City, and it actually ended up causing more damage than 9-11 did. The characters were the superheroes, though, that they just portray are, you know, very kind of basic superheroes. The artwork is very, it's, I would say it's good art. It's very technically good. It's traditional superhero portrayals, you know. Um, I would, I found sometimes their transitions between scenes are a little jerky, and you don't realize they're switching scenes until, like, after you've read a panel or two. <laughs> so You're still on the other panel, and there are yeah, a couple steps you know, ahead like of you. Sometimes where they let the dialogue trail off from one scene to, you know, mm-hmm. so let you give some visual clues that they're switching. They don't do that. It's so. like when I have a conversation with my wife. <laughs> 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 but <Ba-dum-bum. laughs> 
Hope she's not she doesn't listening. listen to this. <laughs> I did find the main. I'll have to email her a copy of this. <laughs> Oblivion to be interesting. You, um, you don't quite understand what his powers are, or what he, why he was a villain, she's what he's doing now. But <laughs> uh, I did like him. They, it's. Uh, I would look forward to seeing how they develop him. Um, so this is number one from January. Is this part of a, like a mini series they had set up, or kind of? What's the story? Do, do we the know anything? Details from the publisher here, I couldn't say. Uh, the the story behind why Jim's got this is, um, again, um, I met these guys <clears throat> from Insane Comics in Madison at MightyCon. Um, I actually approached them because I'd heard of them first, actually, from Jim, who was reading another title, um, which I've forgotten which one that is again, <laughs> but uh, that title was um, Evolution, with spelled with an S instead of a T. And I met the writers of that at last year's uh, Milwaukee Comic Con, mm -hmm. and they have recently signed with Insane Comics, who will now be carrying their that title. Okay, so um, so I heard about them through Jim when he's talking about that title, and. After that, I saw them on Facebook and a few other things and realized, well, they've got quite a bit of things out there. Um, I realized from seeing some of the stuff online that they're, like Jim had already talked about, they're not distributed through Diamond, which I was able to talk to him a little bit about that whole process um, in Madison as well. But um, they, uh, they, they do a lot of sales online. They try to reach people... Uh, online directly or through retailers um, and they would like the distribution like the other companies have but apparently Diamond has not uh, not really been that cooperative with them um, so as of right now they're they're just self distributing the stuff um, I was talking to them about the possibility of getting some of their stuff in the store I said, but how, how we normally work here with things like that would be if we can generate an interest in those books um, <clears throat> with, with our customers here, then yeah, we'd be more than happy to get them. So uh, so they gave me this copy, Ob Oblivious Number 1, you know, and suggested reading it. And they, they suggested we could try to sell it at our booth that we had or, or whatever. Well, I decided that uh, if I really wanted to know what people thought and if it something, and granted, this is only one sample of a lot of different things they have. They have superhero genres and some horror and some, you know, different things. They've got a lot of trade paperback, you know, versions like, you know, graphic novel style books, and then they've got some uh, individual issue type things like this. Um, but a lot of different things. So he gave me, this is just a sample, and I thought, well, what i do is, um, I would first give it to Jim, who introduced me to Insane Comics, and uh, then we kind of pass it around and see, you know, what do, what do people think of this book? Um, and then perhaps, like, try something else and pass it around to sample a few of their, um, of their titles and see if it's something that, you know, people are interested in having uh, here at uh, Crimson Cowl. Um, and if so, you know, we'll probably start carrying some of Insane's titles here getting them uh, directly through them and so that is uh this the story of oblivious number one 
And this is, it's a very well, it's a quality book. You know, the pages are nice, glossy, heavy quality paper and well, well produced. Yeah, and it, and it looked, from what I saw, because they, they kind of had a wall up with all their stuff on it. And there was a lot of stuff and um, different art styles and, and stuff like that. But most of it looked like any other indie um, comics that you would see on a rack regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing that looked, uh, you know, just like less than, mm-hmm. th- less than good. Um, and again, a lot of stuff. They had they had so much. I was actually amazed that such a small uh, publisher, who's not getting that uh, distribution through Diamond, uh, had as as many things out there as they do. So, again, you know, thought this would be a good good way to kind of get into it and dip our toes in the water and see, hey, you know, are people interested in getting some more of the insane comics here at the store? I would be interested in seeing at least the next type, the next issue to see how they develop the new the characters. Um, Oblivious, they leave a lot. You know what's going on here. They want to know, and Sasha, the girl, um, they tell you pretty much everything you need to know about her. They lay out her life and what she's like, but it's still she's a likable character. So, yeah. So. Maybe well, not the, one. not not necessarily the strongest first issue, but good enough to, good enough to make to look you, at wanna, it again, you know, yeah. go a little bit further. All right. Good, good, good. Ragman number six from DC Comics. Um, I actually plugged this in the first couple issues. Um, I find it. I found all through this comic. I found it an interesting um, read, an interesting story. Uh, Seeing we're now six in, I can give you some of the backstory, which is that five uh, people in a war um, across the ocean find themselves in a tomb where they think there is treasure. They open up the casket, and a magical cloak is in the casket. Um, Four of the five are killed in an attack by demons who come in trying to get the cloak. The fifth one is wrapped in the cloak and preserved from getting killed. Um, it turns out the cloak has mystical powers. Um, it looks more like mummy wraps almost than a cloak. But they'll um, reach out, um, attack foes, suck souls from people, and the souls are what power the cloak. Um, for the most part, in his use of it, he sucks the souls from demonic entities to use to energize the cloak. But as part of the story, also, the four soldiers who he are with, he was with, one of them being his brother, were also absorbed into the cloak. So their souls are there. Um, but he's, he stops short of using their souls to power the cloak. Um, they'll speak to him and give him advice and things. And he sees it as preserving these people he loves. In this last issue, then, the demons have gone full out to try to take the cloak. They've taken all of his loved ones captive, a uh, whole set of this, the town that he lives in captive. Um, and he is at the point of what is he going to do? He's used all the energy in the cloak other than the four people who were with him. So how is he going to face this? Um, what was really neat about this last issue, and it was worth the payout <laughs> going through the whole thing, is that in the end, it's really a story of sacrifice, 
of love overcoming those darker elements in the world. Um, as pastor, you read it and you see images of Easter in the you know, Holy Week and Easter within the, the story structure of how things happen. And the hero not only becomes a hero in, in the sense of wearing this costume and doing these things, but becomes a better person in the process of all this too. And um, so all those elements, I think, make this a really, a really good book. Um, and I'm sorry to see it end at six. I'd like to see where that would go. Um, so, but I would recommend, you know, if you can get it in trade when it comes out or reorder the whole series, it really is a worthwhile book to read. And with this being a DC Comics, Ragman, is this a character that's been around for a while? Is this a reimagining? Is this something, if nobody's read a DC comic, it sounds like it's pretty I got, well, much. Great Man's been it. around for a long time, but this not in this. I think version. Format, yeah. Okay. So this is essentially even with the DC Comics thing, you don't need to know anything about. No, there. This it's its own can, self-contained contained storyline. Um, it may. I wondered if this is tied in with the Ragman. Then we find in if you watch Arrow, the Arrowverse, there is essentially the same character who was in Arrow for a while. Okay. Um, and he talks is, about getting the cloak from his father, who was killed, and so I'm wondering if there's someone out of time. Which is probably a variation on the classic um, Ragman, but with differences, just yeah. like any other Arrowverse yeah. character. Um, and I was curious, you know, hearing the... Uh, most of the, you know, the beginning uh, of, of your description of the book, you know, you'd almost think that you were describing um, something more in the, like a horror genre or something mm -hmm. like that. And yet it's DC in regular continuity that's, you know, superhero heavy. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's somebody that's being, becoming this, this hero. It does, does the story kind of play out more as a, a superhero type book? Or, or does it fall like somewhere kind of... Somewhere in between. Because yeah. there are elements of both that um, uh, are a part of it. The story as a whole is really a story about redemption, which is really, I love stories that have to do with redemption and people finding new senses of who they are. And this book really has a lot of that as, as part of what's uh, being done in the book. Um, <clears throat> because he comes back from the war, first of all, he's guilty about everyone else dying but him. So he's carrying this guilt around. He's carrying his friends as a total reminder of the guilt all the time with him in this cloak. Um, he's trying to deal with uh, issues of um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, he's working with his father who's older and dying. All these things are part of his, his life that um, kind of he's struggling with in some ways are pulling him down. But in the process of... Um, confronting this new reality, he finds some things in himself that are really pretty amazing. And uh, and we get some really, you know, and the, the essence of this is this cloak is evil, but somehow in the process of who he is and the people around him, they turn it in a new direction. And um, that's pretty, pretty cool. Oh, cool. And in fact, you do get a, you do get a, as I remember, you do get a, um, yes, you do get a cameo. Well, not really a cameo. For about three issues, he's a central part of the, the comic, um, um, the demon. Oh, okay. He's also a part of the comic. Um, 
I was uh, thinking another character that would seem to fit into that would be the Spectre. Yeah, except this is more the demonic world are the ones who are trying to seize the cape. And so the demon is trying to bend it to his will, while a greater demon is also trying to bend it to his will. Um, and this poor guy gets kind of caught in the center of the, the battle that's going on. Okay, good. Uh, from Aftershock Comics debuted a new series called Betrothed Number One. Um, it opens up with a page that says, I think it's safe to say this uh, love story isn't going to be Romeo and Juliet, as we see a fist <laughs> punching a guy's face and a tooth flying out of his mouth. Uh, this is a story about two teenagers, a guy and a girl, who uh, are upon their 18th birthday. And and this is the basic premise that uh, they don't waste any time into getting right into it. Um, They are both basically uh, destined to run opposing alien races. And upon their 18th birthday, they're either to uh, basically go to war or go to love, basically. And it's a... And it's like war is what it starts with. (laughs) And it's something that neither of them know anything about. They don't know each other. They don't know what they're destined for. And that's the setup for this uh, crazy issue. And uh, Aftershock Comics number one, whenever they debut a new series, grabs my attention. Um, Not too familiar with the creators here. Sean Lewis and Steve uh, Uy. It's a U and a Y. (laughs) Um... Uh, but the, the idea of that, uh, you know, the Romeo and Juliet, but with a very different, uh, interesting spin and yeah, it, it was fun and very fast paced. They don't waste any time to fulfill that premise all in one issue. Uh, I'm not sure if this is part of like a limited series. Sometimes it'll be like that, but, uh, yeah, a lot of action, sci-fi. And of course they stick them both on earth. Yep. Because yep. we're... We're just the central yeah. battleground for everything. Yeah, throw them there. Throw them the there. game, and we're like the game board. And, yeah. yeah, the art's uh, really good. A lot of dark blues and purples and blacks and things like that. Uh, kind of really sets the mood as they're both kind of experiencing uh, this stuff at the same time, but separately, which uh, you know they'll eventually, as you see on the cover here, holding a gun to each other that, uh, you know, they're bound and destined to meet, and I guess we'll find out uh, which way it'll go from here. <laughs> but yeah, very fun, something new and fresh. Uh, I really enjoyed Betrothed Number One. Um, another book that uh, came out uh, would be Action Comics Number Nine Ninety Nine. Um, here's I'm the shy of a thousand. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the premise here. Superman's journey through time has crashed to a halt, and at the end of the line, General Sam Lane stands face-to-face for the first time with his grandson, John. Buckle up, because the most awkward super-family reunion in history is about to begin. Uh, This is uh, the first time I have ever subscribed to Action Comics, meaning telling a comic book shop to say, here, I want it, with the announcement of uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Action Comics 1000 coming up. All of the stuff, uh, even regardless of Bendis, I was going to be like, well, I want to be part of this moment and uh, own that issue and check it out. But I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll jump in right before to get a little precursor. Uh, standalone story. Um, the last time I bought Action Comics, I looked at my uh, notes here, was uh, 2009. 
So I haven't followed it. The most I've followed it is whether you, whatever you bring to the table. Yeah, I guess it's been a little bit. And I was going to bring this one to the table. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet. So, uh, But I thought, well, this would be good because we've got a number of people who are jumping on board, at least with the, the issue 1000. And uh, so I thought just bringing it up and mentioning it, especially because it is a standalone um, story and it kind of falls in between um, what's been going on on, uh, you know, the, the the prior creative team has been doing and the incoming uh, creative team. Um, so this this issue just kind of, in a way, almost serves to close that gap, to tie up a few loose ends, get it ready for the, what comes next, and be just a self-contained story all at the same time. And this really one is, uh, is really about family, as we see... Uh, Lois Lane and uh, her son John, are, uh, they greet um, her father, his grandfather, as they uh, meet for the first time, um, coming over for dinner, and they're talking about Clark being away, and, and you see uh, the, the differences that uh, Lois's dad has always had with uh, his idea of Superman and her idea of Superman. We may know that you know she might be a little more biased with Superman on a couple different levels, um, but it, it really does. It's a it's a very talkative issue between those two, and uh, for me, just kind of jumping in and not really knowing much uh, other than just reading, you know, just the just the classic stories, but not following it, you know, month by month. Um, it wasn't hard to jump into this and the other. The B plot of this issue is uh, Superman looking for. Uh, for redemption for the cyborg Superman and talking about how he was uh, dealing with the Phantom Zone and being locked up and and so you you have all that stuff going on Superman out in out in space while uh, they're waiting for Clark to get home for this uh, for this dinner here but uh, there's a lot of friction going on at home and uh, but yeah it was it was it's exactly that a great standalone story uh, a lot of touching moments a lot of dramatic moments that I was roped into immediately without any, you know, I've got no, uh, stake in the game. And, uh, but I was, I was, I was right in there, uh, with the dramatic mother and father, uh, battle as they're uh, both defending Superman in their, their own, their own ways. So action comics, number nine ninety nine, really enjoyed it. All right. And I think that'll wrap it up for the non spoilers. Now, and I can cut this out. Do we have any news? Because there wasn't anything in particular. Uh, not, not anything in in particular. Uh, there hasn't been. I'm trying to think because I, I think a couple days ago there were a couple of things that I came across, but obviously nothing that. What well, what happened was the Avengers trailer came out in the meantime, and it's like yeah. nothing else matters. Nothing matters. <laughs> <laughs> and now the news. Well, the Avengers trailer's out, and nothing else matters. <laughs> so that maybe be a, a good example. And then you had mentioned the Batman wedding news. So let's officially go into the news to pass David as he announces us in. And now the news. Thanks, David. <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. 
So, uh, to keep it on the comic side, we'll start with that. Uh, you had mentioned some Batman uh, wedding news updates. Yes, DC has um, it put out some notices about what's going to be happening this summer with the wedding of the century that's coming out. The real one. <laughs> what, what, is, um, what does he mean by that? <laughs> Batman, that silly one in Britain. Yeah, Batman and Batman. And oh, I thought Catwoman he was taking a shot at Kitty. Yeah, that's what I was. Wondering. I thought he was taking a shot at shot at Kitty Pride and Colossus. I, I, I know. I was gonna say he's not invited. <laughs> um, they are releasing a series of one shots leading up to that weddings from, and they all will all take. Each one will take um, a different member of the Bat family versus a uh, various Bat villain and their attempts to thwart or delay the wedding between Batman and Catwoman. And the first one will be Robin versus Ra's al Ghul. And then Nightwing versus Hush. Batgirl versus Riddler, and Red Hood versus Anarchy, and finally Harley Quinn versus the Joker. And that's all leading up to um, Batman's number 48-49, and culminating in number 50 with the wedding itself. The wedding between Batman and Catwoman, or between Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle? <laughs> 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 and how do they separate? Because you think with all these things going on and people trying to stop the wedding, somewhat, do people know that Batman and Catwoman are getting married? Well, and if so, how does that re- you know reflect on the... Well, I was Bruce thinking Wayne's more if Kyle. Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle are getting married, well, Ra's al Ghul would probably know that they were both the same or... Um, right, a few of them. A few of them would, but a few of them would have no idea apparently, that this was apparently, Batman and Catwoman getting um, Anarchy knows who he is, I believe. Um, the Hush knows who he is. Yes, that's true. Hush you know what? Now, now that I'm thinking... Quinn knows who he is, and apparently no, Joker, Joker does as well. Well, yeah, see, um, Joker has been heavily hinted at that he knew, but didn't care because it kind of ruined things for yes. him, you know? Um, but... Uh, Initially, it was just hinted at that he knew, but didn't didn't care and didn't use it because yeah, it kind of messed up the fun of it. And since then, it's been hinted more and more, or just not even, you know, not even tried to cover up that he knows, but not come out and said, you know, I know. Okay. Well, you know, I guess everybody does know. That. Yeah. So. <laughs> so actually, so Riddler, Riddler, that I'm not sure about because for a while. Wasn't Riddler working with Batman? Uh, because he kind of, you know... After the zero year... Turn, yeah, he was... Wasn't he like a private investigator? Something like that for a while. And I think he was working on uh, on the, the side of the good guys for a while in there. But I don't think his, he had any access to what his yeah, identity was. Yeah. And if Batman is wearing his ring on the outside of his bat gloves, Catwoman would probably steal it because she's a thief. <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna be something like. I was just wondering because it seemed to me okay they're all yeah. trying to stop the wedding that must be in, that it's been announced as Batman and Catwoman's wedding because yeah. it's different when but you look have, at they have talked about things like that that yeah. um, they um and are consider eloping because they you know because of the issues involved you know so or maybe they'll do it both yeah. first they'll get married is. 
And if Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, and then they'll get married. If, if Batman and, or if Bruce Wayne and Selena get married, and then all of a sudden Batman and Catwoman are seen or turn around together, isn't that it, a It's fine part? because then you just have to get uh, a stand in for, for Catwoman and Alfred in the Batman suit <laughs> to show up at the same time as. Uh, as Bruce, As and Bruce Wayne and Selena are, are together. <laughs> and if Two Face is invited, he's going to sit down the aisle because you know half of his face can be on you know the one side, one side, and you know bride or the groom, and he's going to. Where's he going to sit? That's another one. For a while there, Two Face was was. Uh, he has a part of the Bat family. He was so part of that for a while yeah. too. So I think so he like still is. Kino. I think he's still part of that whole Bat team that have been that's been put together. I guess DC is going to maybe... Yeah. You said well, Two-Face. Two oh, oh, Two-Face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I said Clayface. Yeah, yeah Two-Face actually a while, <laughs> while back was... There was there's something where he was working with Batman and whatever, but that's... It's been off and on what he... <laughs> yeah, so I mean at this point... Uh, Who knows does what that, Does everybody is. know? They're, you know what? Big billboard. Batman is Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Pretty soon he's just gonna have to make a, a, a deal with the some uh, some DC demon to erase everybody's memory of his. Uh... <laughs> they, you know, they they might get rid of the marriage that way too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> married to this Kyle, if they do this. this. This isn't working out. <laughs> Biggest known secret in the world. <laughs> So yeah, uh, that'll be coming out. Maybe we'll get some answers in those uh, one-shots leading up to the, the big Batman wedding. Um, this past week, you had mentioned they dropped a gigantic trailer, the first official trailer for Avengers Infinity War, which will be coming out a week earlier than uh, normally stated. On uh, the evening of April 26th, the 19th movie in the connected Marvel Cinematic Universe. I assume we've all seen the trailer yes. here. If not, I've seen it enough for everybody who hasn't. <laughs> and, and, and there's been a lot of talk as to why they bumped up the date. And for the record, the official reason is, I said, look, I can't wait that long. Exactly. So, <laughs> and they said, well, we'll accommodate you. And now the latest rumor that uh, that was uh, on one of Kevin Smith's podcasts, who, uh, he's on the men, he's doing a lot better. We didn't talk about the news on here, but Kevin Smith, filmmaker, comic book fan, comic book writer... Um, had suffered a heart attack uh, about a week or two ago. Uh, he he's back to work talking, you know, out of all his podcasts and doing this and that. And he keeps saying he said when he was on the table, you know, fighting for his life. That honestly, one of the first things he was thinking of is like he wants to stay alive because Infinity War is coming out soon. <laughs> he and he always joked about that leading up to it. Just he's like, I just want to stay alive for these Marvel movies because they just you know they just they're so much fun and this and that. And uh, and then someone had uh, mentioned that maybe they bumped up the release for his sake, you know, to give him, you know, one week closer. Just to, hold on a little oh, longer, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we got the big trailer. Um, yeah, so we have, uh, you know, the story that's been building up ever since the either the first Iron Man or the first Avengers movie of Thanos being uh, announced. And uh, anyone who's a Marvel cosmic reader knows a lot about Thanos and what he's about to bring, but... I would say essentially, you know, he's going to be a uh, be a character that's going to be introduced to a lot of people who have, you know, they've no read comics. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is I think they're going to be in for quite the surprise on why this guy who's just been sitting in a chair for the last couple of years why he's such a big threat. 
We, and we got a little bit of tease in the trailer for this one. Um, we can maybe go around and just say if anyone had any favorite trailer moments. I'm going to start off with mine. I didn't even think of seeing a, a flashback scene when we saw a, a young Gamora reach out for the, the, the finger of Thanos, as uh, Jim had mentioned, the just the size difference in general. Uh, but yeah, that was one thing. I've read a lot of comics dealing with uh, Nebula and Gamora growing up and seeing their relationship with uh, with their adopted father Thanos or grandfather and Nebula's uh, comic origin. But in the movies, they're both you know daughters and of Thanos. And so seeing that moment kind of just made me... Uh, even more excited, like having a lot more back history on Thanos. Like, I'm not saying I'm like a you know sympathizing for Thanos or anything like that because he does a lot of awful things. It's pretty hard to be sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, but when you dive into uh, all the comics, I have everything, everything Infinity related from his first appearance in Iron Man 55 uh, all the way up to uh, this past week, and reading a lot of stuff and seeing his tragic upbringing and. Yes, he does do a lot of awful stuff uh, to make up for it, but I'm so excited to see that translate to the screen where we haven't seen a lot of Thanos. But uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors, have talked about that. You know, there's a, it's it's almost kind of like a Thanos movie in the sense that we're probably going to get his side of things rather than him just showing up. I'm the big evil that I'm going to punch all the people you like and the end or something. So. It seems like we're going to get some backstory on that. Yeah, um, you know, you, you get that flashback scene with the young Gamora, um, but people involved in the movie have already come out and said there, there's flashbacks. We will see a younger Thanos. So how much of that backstory we're actually going to get is, you know, who knows. Um, but clearly they're going to give us something on it. Yeah, so that was my favorite moment. I screenshotted that right away. Just that, that tiny green hand reaching out for that giant purple finger. So, yeah. I was surprised. You know, I'm one of those people who did not know Thanos except from the movies, yeah. and just how big the character is. You know, the the, the physical like size. Physical size, yeah. And um, other than that, um, I enjoyed the moment where. Peter Quill is saying, let me come up with a plan, and everybody's yeah. just looking at him. Like, you know, yeah. Your plan sucks, but my plan's better, so if we go with my plan, it's going to be the my, better yeah, plan. Yeah. And Tony's just like, your, your, wow. your plan's good, but the only problem with it is it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So let me try it, and then it may work. Drax and Spider-Man are just standing there, just like looking at each other, and, and yeah, it's great to see that Peter Quill and Tony Stark, you know, two leaders of different... You know, universe teams. You know, well, all kinda... these. I think t to me that was the best part. Seeing these characters who haven't been on screen together before, on screen together was just really fun. You know, Spider Man. Who are you, Doctor Strange? Oh, we're using costume names. Well, I'm Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that too. Like, because people like oh, when they man. made the Guardians movie, it was their first movie really going outside of the box and digging deep into comics, where just like. You know, nobody knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were unless you read comics. Like, mm -hmm. none of those characters were ever, you know, mainstream mm -hmm. cartoons or any, like, toys for the most part. And uh, so when people would go into that movie, that was essentially going to be their first risk yeah. of a movie being like, well, here we go. We've earned all this money on Avengers that, you know, they weren't expecting when I was breaking le records left and right. They're like, all right, let's jump into uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Got a lot of good cast, good talent and everything. 
And uh, they're just like, you know, if it's not a big hit, you know, they can afford the the lesser box office and then it just eventually outpaced the original Iron Man and these a, a tree and a raccoon have become movie stars. <laughs> and, and Marvel at that point is like, wow, we can do anything. Thing, yeah. So um, then we start seeing... There are some great action sequences in the trailer, too. Oh, yeah. Doctor Strange creating platforms and... Star-Lord Star- jumping, Star- Lord jumping across them. <laughs> and that's just it, too. Like, the quickness of... Like, when you watch the Guardians movie, a lot of people... Because they kept saying from the studio that brought you the Avengers, you know, because they would throw that on there... You'd see the Marvel tag, but you wouldn't see any recognizable characters for a movie-going audience. But people go see it because they have such a catchy trailer with the theme song and, you know, hooked on a feeling and all that stuff. And then, you know, once they show Thanos for the first, you know, audible time and showing, you know, giving him actual screen time, that's when there's audience being like, oh, he's talking about all the Infinity Stones and see the Cosmic Cube. And that's where, like, movie-going audiences being like, oh, this is all, you know part of the same universe but it's out in space so now going back to seeing these characters interact with each other that's i think is going to blow a lot of people's minds just seeing them come together now when there's so much acting talent in that group of people it's going to be how, how do you get your own scream time away from someone else it's probably yeah. just it's going to have yeah. to be a five hour movie everybody's, everybody's stealing the scenes you know? yeah. and it's almost a five hour movie because Avengers 3 right now I think is at like two hours and 40 minutes give or take right. that could also change here and there and they, they did say this this is the longest MCU uh, movie yeah, well to date I think it's got maybe 15 minutes on Civil War give or take somewhere around there Maybe even more yet, but uh, but with you saying like it's a five-hour movie, well, it was originally announced as part one and part two. They've since dropped the parts, but just called it Avengers Infinity War and Avengers 4, which uh, may get remade into a subtitle after everyone's seen this movie because there's a lot of stuff. They filmed it already. They filmed them back-to-back. There's a lot of stuff that's out there that... Uh, we don't know as an audience being like, where are they going with all this? Well, I have to go, but I have to tell you, I'm excited. <laughs> good, good. Uh, and uh, a- actually, it's probably one of the good things about filming them back to back is that if they, you know, if they kill off somebody in Infinity War, you know, um, then there's not going to be like a, oh, I wonder if they killed off this character because they weren't on the set. Well, they, they film them kind of all together and yep. people were coming in they were you know they're working on one film while they're still <laughs> taking up shots for you know probably reshoots and stuff for for you know the, the third movie while they're working on the fourth movie um so these actors are all going to be around whether their character ends up getting killed off right. in this movie or not and I think um, there was even rumors on the uh, possibility of them filming multiple deaths to get away from like the paparazzi and the news things leaking out that they would, let's say they film like an Iron Man death, but you know it doesn't happen. But if somebody catches like, oh, here's this and that, we got this information. Dies. Yeah, and uh, and then everybody will just wait for it to come out on Blu-ray so they can <laughs> see all these deleted death scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, going back to that, it's only going to be a year until Avengers 4 comes out. So while it may be a part one, not associated as a part one, part two, they're saying Avengers 4 is a completely different film in, in of itself. 
Uh, in between those films, we are getting Ant-Man and the Wasp, which will come out in June or July. I think it's beginning of July, which is already said to be after right after Civil War. Um, I think the directors have touched base on where they come into play, but it, uh, I didn't read into that uh, just due to time. But uh, then we have Captain Marvel. Brie Larson will be taking over, uh, introducing that character to cinema, uh, which will be taking place in the 90s. And apparently there had been something for Captain Marvel to be in this, but yeah. they, they cut it. Because that was always the original announcement in which she was debuting in there, which will give an audience being like, hey... We know this person now, and then a year later you see her own movie, much like what they do, Black Panther, Spider-Man, all that kind of stuff. Or maybe or maybe it's something like, yeah, we cut it, and then that ends up being uh, like the post-credits scene. Yeah. And that's just it, like, and uh, while all that stuff is filming at once, you know, who knows what's going to pop up. But, uh, yeah, that trailer, uh, just super fun, and a lot yeah. of laughs, a lot of dramatic moments. It's going to be a... A lot of emotional parts that people are uh, interpreting different ways, and and uh, Anthony, we we talked about this a little bit earlier. And one thing that I said is uh, uh, the, the shot, you know, where you see uh, Captain America, you know, Steve's like holding, you know, Thanos's hand as they're as they're fighting, and he's just using all of his strength uh, to to hold that. Um, you know, a lot of people looked at that and they read different things into it. But uh, people pointed to that as being, oh, this is a sign that it's Cap that dies. A lot of people are saying, well, that's way too obvious. Um, and then people are reading things into um, how Cap is fighting Thanos in that movie. And some people, I've, I've seen comments about, well, wait, how is, how is Steve that strong? Because you've got that other shot where I'm like, Thanos is crushing Thor's head, and he's like, Cap's not stronger than Thor, you know, so how can that be? Um, a lot of people have pointed to Thanos at the look on his face as being this look of surprise that I can't believe how strong Captain America is. And I looked at it, and my thought on it was, I, I thought Thanos' look was more along the line of, like, if what, you, what you you think <laughs> yeah. you can beat me kind of like that look is what I took yeah. from it because he had said a good line too when he's talking about he's just like I hope they remember you or something like Thanos said something along those lines of uh, as he was kind of talking about that and that kind of bled in whether or not he's talking about him directly but but yeah like he's very you know above everybody else so I could see that as well where he I'm, I'm just waiting for Cap to be like you know holding it up and just I can do this all day. <laughs> yep. And some of the rumors and chatter I've heard about that after this movie, that the next Avengers, Avengers 4, will be a very different team. You know, that you're not going to see Captain and uh, Tony Stark's Iron Man. And Tony see, Stark may make appearances, but not as a main character. See, a lot of their contracts would be up. Uh, most of them were contracted through the movie, but it's always... You know, with the events of the Infinity Gauntlet, it's always it's interesting because comics and movies take up their own continuity. They borrow, lift things from here, lift things from there, whether they be fifty-year-old stories or just ten-year-old stories. Sometimes of like a civil war, and they just kind of pick and choose and kind of make their own. And that's what's kind of entertaining. You go into this movie, you don't have characters like Adam Warlock and Silver Surfer that are set up that are two very important parts of the. Uh, of the comic book. So it's always interesting to see like, you know, 
who they substitute in and what they even choose right, to just, adapt. Just like substituting, you know, the creator of Ultron in the last Avengers movie. You know, they can do that this time, you know, you get the people, well, they can't do that. They're going to have to bring Adam Warlock into it because you can't have, you know, Infinity War without Adam Warlock. Well, you can. It's been shown yeah. because, you he know, you can't have Ultron character. without Hank Pym. Well, clearly you can. And I understand um, the defending of the comic book and this and that, but when it comes to the movies, the comics aren't, you know, set in stone for movies. Comics aren't the movie scripts. This is <laughs> one of those alternate universes in the multiverse. Um, the multiverse that's apparently shared between Marvel and DC. It's just a, yeah. <laughs> the comics are a blueprint, but uh, blueprints can change and thing you find out, you know, you move this path and whatever. But uh, I'm not a construction guy, so I don't know. That analogy fell flat quick. But uh, but yeah, like I said, yeah, I understand the idea of just being well. It can can't happen because of this. I'll say this: Jim Starlin, who is uh, the writer artist who uh, wrote most of the Marvel cosmic and kind of created that, and Thanos and all the Infinity Gauntlet and stuff like that. Um, he's seen or heard and seen stuff from Infinity War. Apparently, he might have some cameos because he was. Uh, treated to the set uh, by Marvel Studios, treated very well. He says he's always talking. While he's not treated very nicely by Marvel Comics currently, um, that's a whole other story, but he said Marvel Studios, which is a whole other entity, has been treating him very well. And he goes, from what they showed me for Avengers 3 and 4, he goes, trust me, you're going to like it. And that's coming from the guy who basically created those blueprints for what they're creating. And if anyone should be upset that they're changing story and character roles and stuff like that. It should come from the guy who wrote those and created those stories. And uh, he's very... Po and people can be uh, very public, like an Alan Moore of just saying, I don't like this. And so it's not like, oh, just because he works for Marvel, he has to you know, be on their side or something. He's just like, trust me, you're going to be happy. So that's coming from the original comic writer, so... Good. But yeah, that's going to be good, and uh, that's going to be right around the corner, just next month. So I just like keep saying that, just next month. Even though it's at the end of next month, it's next still month. next month. Five weeks? Yep, yep. Yeah. So, And of course, uh, even, uh, I mean, it's, it's more comic book news um, than some people might think when you consider that when this movie comes out, we're... I mean, we've already seen some changes in Marvel and what they got going on in the comics, gearing towards the movie. Um, and like with any other movie, we're bound to see some changes in the comic books once the movie is out that reflect some of the things um, that happen in the movie because they're always trying to uh, change some things and make them closer together uh, so that you're not alienating... Um, potential new 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 readers I guess from coming in and, and uh, being able to recognize those characters because this movie might bring them into the comics and go oh this movie was great I want to read the comic um, so they like to uh, try and get them a little bit closer together anyways um, just so that these new readers come in and go oh wait this isn't anything like that movie and if you are one of those new readers and if you haven't read that stuff, uh, feel free to comment on the post here, come into the store and uh, ask for some recommendations. 
like I said, I myself have all of the Infinity-related comics, so if you're looking for a certain piece, like, I guess, Infinity Gauntlet is the six-issue uh, miniseries, which they recently uh, reprinted. I know Kurt's dad ordered a copy of that that uh, showed up in the store not too long ago, a week or two ago, so that's probably something that's uh, very much in print yet. Um, still plenty of time to squeeze that in. It's only six issues uh, for that main story. There's other comics called, you know, even though the movie's called Infinity War, you know, there's another comic called Infinity War, but this is, it, it's it's kind of mending both of those things. So <laughs> it's not like, it's more so, in, but a movie called Infinity Gauntlet doesn't sound as great right, as Infinity War. Right. Like, Especially after they've had Civil War. You know? Yeah, yeah, so... Um, yeah, and there's there's actually a lot of Infinity related stuff throughout the years, you know. Um, but Infinity yeah, there's Crusade, right? And there's there, there's some that are more well known than uh, than others. Um, I'd have to look for sure, but a lot of that stuff you'll probably find in trade, um, and most of that type of stuff doesn't really fall out of print, or at least not for very long. So if we can't currently get it, chances are it's just that they're getting ready to release a new version of it. So, and, yeah. You know, so if it's not currently available, it will be soon. Good, good. And then even after you see the movie, that's the perfect time to even go back to because uh, just to see the kind of differences and things like that. And um, here, here's one little teaser. In that first Avengers uh, Infinity War teaser that we got uh, a couple months ago, it opens up with Bruce Banner crash through um the sanctum sanctorum and you see and that's where like dr strange and iron man they're all looking at him and hulk was just like went through the roof and came flying through in the opening of the infinity gauntlet comic book that happened to silver surfer and that's what kicked off the event because surfer went to go warn everybody of what was happening so it, it's cool things like that even though you know i'm a big silver surfer fan that doesn't mean I felt like, oh, this movie's trash because that's wrong or something. I looked at it and be like, oh, that's awesome because, you know, they don't have rights to use Surfer, but they took those, the characters that have been established and it, it was just cool to we see them honor it. Yeah. Well, yeah, even yeah. like Thor Ragnarok, you know, we just saw that whole movie was really <laughs> based um, heavily on a, a Thor com or a, on a Hulk yeah. comic, not a Thor one. Hulk. Right, World War Hulk. Uh, Planet uh, Planet Hulk, um, and Thor wasn't involved in that. But you did have but Beta Rebuild, and you had uh, but the Surfer. yeah. So everything that the Thor was in, that was Surfer in that book too. So that wasn't so Surfer keeps getting the shaft here, but they're finding <laughs> a great way to you know replace it and everything. And uh, yeah, but anyways, go see that movie. <laughs> Um, it needs that little independent movie is going to need a little push, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll uh, wrap it up. If nobody else has anything to add, um, no, I, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Again, I might have had more news, but then I saw the trailer for Avengers: Infinity War, and nothing, nothing else, else matters. matters. <laughs> well, this whole time I've been Anthony. I'm David. I'm Jim. To be continued. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, 
visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.